As my, my preacher in Virginia used to say many years ago, if that don't light you on fire, your wood's wet, right? I mean, I hope you're not wet wood today. Hey, you know, as we were singing that, that one line from the classic hymn, you know, that when we've been there 10,000 years, I mean, is like that true? And if it's true, it, it kind of made me think of this rope we have up here, and you know, this rope symbolizes our life, and and this rope stretches into affinity, but it's all tied up in knots. It's not going to stretch too far today for me, but that's all right, you know. And, and uh, you know, it stretches into affinity, and our life on earth is just this little red piece of duct tape. That's it, you know. And, and so, like, why do we get so bent out of shape, right, when we know that when we've been there 10,000 years, right, bright shining as the sun, you know, we, we haven't got started yet, right? And, and, and the hard times we get, maybe you've had a bad month, but that's like, not even this whole red piece of tape. And so, church, if what we just sang is true, right, then it changes everything, right? You know, if grace is true, it changes everything. And grace really can hold us firm till the end. Man, I don't know about you, I love grace. I need grace. I love it, I love it, I love it, I love it. I want to start off today reading a passage from Luke chapter 19. Familiar story, Jesus entered Jericho, and by the way, he's on the way to Jerusalem, he's on the way to the cross, and he made his way through the town. There was a man there named Zacchaeus, he was the chief tax collector in the region, and he had become very rich by ripping people off. He tried to get a look at Jesus, but he was too short to see over the crowd, so he ran ahead and climbed a sycamore tree beside the road, for Jesus was going to pass by. When Jesus came by, he looked up at Zacchaeus and called him by name. Zacchaeus, you know, God knows your name. He knows where you are this morning. And he said, quick, come down. I must be a guest in your home today. And listen, Zacchaeus knew that that meant something bigger than just, hey, come over to my house. Let's throw some steaks on the grill and watch some NFL football. No, no, Zacchaeus knew that this guy, he was trying to see this Jesus who was definitely from God and maybe even the Messiah was inviting him to have a relationship with him, a friendship. His reaction, Zacchaeus quickly climbed down. I mean, when you get an invitation from God to have a relationship, then you don't stay hanging up in a tree. And he took Jesus to his house in great excitement and enjoyment, but the people were displeased. He's gone to, the, he's gone to be a guest of a notorious sinner, they grumbled. And by the way, you know, that's the native tongue of the religious, right? Grumbling. And meanwhile, while the, while the religious are grumbling, meanwhile, Zacchaeus stood before the Lord and said, I will give half of my wealth to the poor Lord, and if I cheated people in their taxes, yeah, you did, I will give them back four times as much. Jesus responded, salvation has come to this home today. For this man has shown himself to be a true son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and save those who are lost. Let's pray. God, we love you. You're awesome and amazing and powerful and excellent and praiseworthy. And to think that a God like you would want and desire and chase after people like us, hard to understand, but you do. And we accept it. We believe it. We embrace it. And and God, I just pray that today that your word will find open hearts and open minds 
I pray that your truth rains down from the sky like rain and snow watering the earth, causing seed to grow and flowers to flourish. And God, I pray you enable me to say what you want me to say in the way that you want me to say it. May I not in any way get in the way of your voice to your people today. In Jesus' name, amen. Since October 19th, we've been in a series called Life on Mission. It's, it's the series that we're using to launch our three-year strategic plan called Pursue. A three-year plan where we will pursue hurting and lost people with the love and hope found in Jesus. A three-year plan where we will pursue Jesus by being disciples who make disciples. A three-year plan where we will pursue the compassion of Jesus by loving others with our words and our actions. Understand that. Evangelism, discipleship, and compassion is what we want to drive us as a church and as individuals. Listen, we refuse to be driven by budgets, by buildings, by programs, and even to be driven by people. Instead, we will be driven by mission. We will be driven by seeking the lost, making disciples, and showing compassion. And listen, the way we're approaching this pursue thing is by assuming that we only have three years left. Seriously, think about it. What if we only had three years left and then Maple Grove, for whatever reason, was gone? Or how about thinking about it this way? What if you only had three years left? And after three years, you're done. You're gone. Question, during those three years, what should be, what must be, the focus of our attention, the focus of our lives. I mean, what would God want us to do, want me to do, want you to do for him during the next 1,000 plus days so that we could say to him on October the 12th, 2017, Lord, we brought you glory by completing the work that you gave us to do. And understand, when the dust settles, and yeah, we will be kicking up some serious dust during the next 1,046 days. When the dust settles on October the 12th, 2017, from this three-year plan, we will not be the same church. Now, be honest, I have no idea what we're going to look like, no idea what kind of things we have done or accomplished. I just know that we're not going to be the same church. I mean, how could we be the same church after pursuing the mission, the compassion, and the action of Jesus with great intensity? How, how could we be the same church when a few weeks ago, several hundred people stood up in this very room and said, hey, you know what? Every year during those three years, I'm going to do the best that I can. I'm going to make a sincere effort to help somebody find Jesus. How could, can we be the same church when hundreds of people are committing to grow and deepen in their walk, to have a, a deeper commitment to growing, to serving, to engaging, and to showing compassion in this world, LNB, like never before? And, 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 you know, I, I think there's a good chance that, in a good way, that this compassion thing just might get out of hand. You know, I, I was at the Widow's Banquet on, uh, on Monday night, and, 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 and Betty Burkhead uh, told me that uh, last Sunday after church, a, a handful of guys and, and, and a handful of students went out and they raked her leaves. You know, a lot of leaves out here, you know, lots of leaves. And, and, and uh, she was very excited about it. And, and there were two 50-year-old girls who... I think we're having too much fun with the leaf blower and had to get redirected, retooled somewhere else. And, 
You know, I think Mark said, hey, I think you would serve better, more joyfully in the house, you know, away from the lead blower. And, 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 uh, and, and these two 15-year-old girls, high school students, you know, Betty wasn't even going to decorate. She doesn't live anywhere. No one's near her. She wouldn't even go decorate for Christmas. These two 15-year-old girls talked her in to decorate for Christmas, and she was lit up that night. That's compassion, right? That's the church. That's the kind of church that we want to be. Now, uh, Maple Grove, if there is a God, and there is, and if this God created and formed us, and he did, and if this God is sovereign and in charge, and he is, and if this God who is, who created us, and who is sovereign and in charge, has a plan and purpose for our lives, and he does, then that's what we must pursue individually and as a church. Get it? And, and not good. I almost, almost. I did a wedding yesterday and, and make the bride and groom do that. Make Jesus number one in your life. Get it, God? And they go, good. <laughs> they had, we had fun. Now, now, the way we're defining and illustrating um, this pursuit at the Grove is with this diagram we've been unpacking since October 19th. It's kind of our roadmap, our GPS to the life we're created to live, to the church God intends for us to be. And notice they're, they're, the arrows mean this is like, it just keeps on going, right? We don't just arrive somewhere and stop. We just keep going. Understand, the life that you and I create to live, it, it, it begins with belong, belonging to God. It, 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 second, with belonging to his church, to his family. And, and by the way, if you took the belong class a, a couple weeks back or you've taken the Discover the Grove class and haven't come up here and said, hey, you know what? I, I, I want to be a part of what God is doing to Maple Grove. We're going to have a chance to do that at the end of the service. And we got this covenant that people sign where it just says, hey, you know what? I, I embrace Maple Grove's vision, mission, and core values, all right? Next, a life that you and I are created to um, live is a life that grows. And, and a couple weeks back, 60 people met in a room talking about five habits that will help you grow, right? Guaranteed help you grow. Jump in water, you get wet, you do these five habits, you grow. And what are they? Reading your Bible, praying, having a quiet time, you know, it's not, it just means a personal devotion time with God, being in community with a couple of people who know you, you can be honest and transparent with, and then giving your resources back to God. And God made giving back to him real easy, you know, for us who struggle with math, right? He didn't say, you need to get 7.2946%, right? He said, 10%, just move the, just move the decimal point. And here's exactly what you give back, what I already have given to you. And, and these five habits will help you grow. And 60 people studied these. And I think Jesus would say to that group and all of us, now that you know these things, you'll be blessed if you know these things. And that's not what he said, right? You'll be blessed if you what? If you do them, right? And so I just challenge you, if you took the class, good job, good job. But to get the full benefit, right, you need to actually do them, right? We have to not just think about flossing our teeth. We have to actually floss our teeth, right? That's all my favorite illustration. Okay, boom. Next, the life you and I were created to live is a life that serves a life that uses our unique shape, our, our heart, our, our abilities, our, our, our passions, and our life experience to serve the body of Christ and make it stronger. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. You know, and if you're alive and breathing, you're in each part, right? Because there's, there's no retirement plan in the kingdom of God. Until we go home, there's something God expects us to do. And remember, we said a few weeks back that it's, it's belong and it's grow and serve that turns our light on and makes our light brighter. And finally, the life that you and I were created to live is a life that engages, is a life that 
It doesn't wait for lost people to show up in her building or to show up in her lives, but like the shepherd who was looking for a sheep, like the woman who was looking for a coin, we go out and try to find them. And remember, this this engaged thing is all about making God's all-consuming passion, his willingness to suffer and even crush his son for passion for the lost. It's about making that passion for the lost our passion. Yes, this is the mission, God's mission, This mission, God's mission, nothing less, nothing else is what must drive us forward as a church. Get it? And it begins with belong, deepens with grow, expresses itself in serve, and unleashes the favor and power of God as we engage. Now, this is the final message in our series, Life on Mission. And to be honest, I really struggled with this one. I mean, Thursday, I was still, like, really struggling. Like, God, what do you want me to talk about? What, what, what am I supposed to say? In this conversation, engage sharing. I mean, sharing what? Sharing our faith. Sharing the faith. Sharing the gospel. Sharing the good news. And, and good news needs to be shared, right? I, I mean, if, if somebody is drowning and you throw a life preserver out to them, that's some good news that you probably ought to think about sharing, Right? If you have a loved one who's struggling with a terminal disease and somehow you come across an actual cure, that's some good news that you should probably think about sharing. And listen, the gospel is not good news, it's the best news. In fact, it's good news of great joy that is for all people. The Greeks actually had a word called euangelion, and that's the, wherever you see the word gospel or good news in your Bible, it's that Greek word. And They use this word to describe the good news of a victory on the battlefield, the birth of a son. It's almost like they planned this for Jesus, right? And the death of an enemy. Good news is we have victory. The good news is God's son came. The good news, our enemy has been defeated. No wonder Paul wrote these words in the first chapter of his letter to the church in Rome. He says, I am not ashamed of the gospel Because it is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. Yes, the gospel is good news. And and, and God intends for us not just to keep it to ourselves or for ourselves, but to actually go out and to share it. Just like those lepers we've looked at and mentioned the last several weeks, those guys in 2 Kings chapter 7, the city of Samaria is in a great siege. People are starving. It's gone on for months. They go out to the camp. And God caused the enemy to run away, and these lepers find all this food. They're eating, having a great time, eating steaks, all kinds of stuff. It's just a great time. But the city's still starving, and they ain't told them yet. And they say this, 2 Kings 7, verse 9, this is not right. This is their good news, and we aren't sharing it with anyone. Wait until morning. Some calamity will overtake us. Come on, let's go back and tell the people at the palace. Question, why do we need to engage our world, connecting, serving, and sharing our faith? Answer, because like that sinful tax collector in that tree, many of the people you and I rub shoulders with, sit around at holiday meals with, are lost. And they need Jesus. They need to know that Jesus wants them to come down because he wants to have a relationship with them. I don't need to tell you how dark and broken this world is, right? I mean, turn on the news, you know, um, 
go on the web, read your, read your uh, Facebook news feed, listen to Glenn Beck. Glenn Beck makes me want to kill myself, man. It's like, dang. I, I, I need a dose of happiness now or something. But it's, it's bad, right? I mean, brokenness, violence, hatred, hopelessness, it's everywhere. I mean, our world is dark and in bad shape. And their only hope is Jesus. Do you believe that? And so does, by the way, a tight end who plays for the New Orleans Saints named Benjamin Watson. On November 25th, Benjamin Watson made a post on Facebook that went viral. It was his response to the death of Michael Brown and that verdict from the grand jury. It was an amazing Facebook post. It's had, as of yesterday, it's had 80. 855,370 likes and has been shared 471,314 times. And, 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 and Watson talked about how he is angry, frustrated, fearful, embarrassed, sad, sympathetic, offended, confused, introspective, hopeless, hopeful, and how he is also encouraged. And, and I want to show you a, a video clip of Michael Brown talking about this. It's really powerful. And that, and that was kind of abrupt, and, you know, uh, actually, it kind of got cut off when you watch the full thing. Um, here's some of what he said, in addition to what you saw there. I, you know, it's, go back one more, where you were, doing one more. It's not the skin, the issue is sin. And I firmly believe that the issue is that internally we're flawed. Internally, we need salvation from our sin. Eternally, our sin makes us prideful. It makes us judgmental. It makes us prejudiced, which leads to racism. It makes us lash out at people that don't look like us. It makes us look past evidence to protect people that look like us. It makes us do all these things. It makes us lash out in anger. It, it makes us point fingers. And then she goes, all right. You see, she was very uncomfortable. She goes, all right. Am I very uncomfortable here? Um, uh, please fade away from me. Uh, and he goes, the only salvation for this sin is the gospel. The only way to really cure what's on the inside is understanding that Jesus Christ died for our sins. And so for me, on a micro level, it's under, boom, and he got, oh, oh, okay, we lost him. He's gone. And, and uh, not surprising, but you know, I'm not going to focus on being cut off. I'm going to focus on what the guy said, right? Potential or not, who cares? See, Maple Grove, the gospel is good news. The gospel is the power of God for the salvation of everyone who believes. <clears throat> and understand, it's the gospel, not education, not governments, not human reasoning philosophy. The gospel is what changes hearts and lives. The gospel is what pushes back the darkness. The gospel is what brings hope and healing. The gospel is what sets people free from anger, from hatred, from addictions, from bitterness, from brokenness, from sin. Amen? And, and the gospel really is the hope of the world, and, and, and our, our job is to, is to spread it. Our, our job is to take his light into the darkness. Our, our job is to be salt, to bring his healing to this earth. I mean, there are thousands of people in our community and billions around the world who need to have what you and I have found. The gospel message is what needs to drive us as a church. It certainly drove Paul you know, you know, in the Bible, right? I mean, Paul was driven by the gospel. He said this in, in Acts chapter 20. 
You know, he's meeting with these, the, the, the elders from the church in Ephesus. He's going to Jerusalem. They're saying, Paul, you go there. They're going to arrest you and kill you. It's not going to be good. And Paul says this. My life is worth nothing to me unless I use it for finish the work assigned me by the Lord Jesus, the work of telling others the good news about the wonderful grace of God. They wept and embraced on the beach. He got on a boat. And then in Acts 21, we read this. They're still trying to get him not to go. Don't go, Paul. And he says this, why are you weeping and breaking my heart? I'm ready not only to be bound, but also to die in Jerusalem for the name of the Lord Jesus. When he could not be dissuaded, we gave up and said, the Lord's will be done. Catch that? He goes, man, guys, don't tell me not to die. He says, I'm not only willing to go to Jerusalem for the name for the gospel, I'm willing to die for the gospel. Are we willing to die for the gospel? Are, are we willing to die to ourselves? To die to our wants, our needs, our agendas, our preferences? And you know what? Just like in, in Paul's day, there will be people that try to convince us not to die. You're going too far. You, know, you don't need to die to yourself to follow Jesus, but yet you do. And Paul said this. In fact, he said in 2 Corinthians 5 that you know, when we really embrace this mission, that the world is not going to applaud us. They're actually going to think that we're crazy, right? He said this, if it seems we are crazy, it's to bring glory to God. And this week, another NFL player by the name of Jason Brown was in the news and was on Facebook, and he did something that the world think, that's pretty crazy. Check it out. <laughs> That lie. Are you sure you're NFL? I feel like cuddling you right now. <laughs> kind of crazy, right? He left 12 million on the table when he walked away. Okay, so we're doing this life on mission thing, belonging, growing, serving, engaging the world, building relationships, friendships with those far from Christ, serving the world through acts of compassion. I mean, we're making the, the love of Christ visible in very tangible ways. We are walking the walk, and that is good. That is very good. But listen, there comes a time when we must not only walk the walk, but we got to talk the talk. And understand, this talk can be easily forgotten as we're doing a bunch of other good stuff. We can forget it. H have you ever gone to the grocery store to buy bread? Yeah. You know, and, and you walk in there and you grab one of these. I borrowed it. I didn't steal it, all right? You know, and, and you're going to get bread. But you walk in there and you go, you know what? They, they got a good deal on some Granny Smith apples right now. I got to get some of that. Oh, bananas. Ours were just all brown and messed up. Okay, got the bananas. Hey, pink ladies. They got pink ladies. And you grab the pink ladies. And man, those wings sure stuck to the pan last night. You know, let's get, we got to get that spray. And man, we can't have breakfast without Ovaltine, man. Ovaltine's the best. And Man, we're getting a little bit short on our apples and cinnamon stuff, and you, you go to the checkout line, you, you pay, you get home, and, and it, your wife says, where's the bread? <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. Um, Max Lucado wrote these words, in an effort to do good, we can get distracted, we feed people, we encourage, heal, help, and serve, we address racial issues and poverty, yet there is one duty we must fulfill, we can't forget the bread. We can't forget to tell people about the bread of life. We can't forget to talk the talk. 
Now, now there's a quote you've probably heard before. It's a really good one in the right context. It's attributed to St. Francis of Assisi, one of the great church fathers in church history. The new pope took his his name from St. Francis, and the quote went something like this. Preach the gospel at all times, and if necessary, use words. You know, and I see what it's saying. It's saying, hey, you know what? You know, you shouldn't have to tell people that you're a Christian or Jesus follower. They should be able to see it by the way that you live. It works in the right context, but it, it does have some flaws because, A, no one has any good record of him actually saying that, and B, he never would say that because it's impossible to preach the gospel without words. A guy named Ed Stetzer wrote this in an article. Preach the gospel, and when necessary, you work, and when necessary use words is like saying, feed the hungry, and when necessary, use food. Right? Both are silly when you're talking about bread or, or talking about the bread of life. You see, people probably aren't going to guess their way into the kingdom of God. You know, they need to know why we're the way we are, right? They need to know why we do the things that we do. You see, they won't know why we have hope, why we have joy, why we handle difficulties differently, why we're able to forgive those who hurt us, why we have those things unless we tell them. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And how will anybody go and tell them without being sent? That is why scriptures say, regardless of what uh, the person doing your pedicure says, that's why the scriptures say, how beautiful are the feet, right? How beautiful are the feet? I don't care how ugly you think your feet are, they're actually beautiful, right, who bring the good news. And it, it really is talking about how timely, right? How timely are those who bring this great message of euangelion. Now, what I want to do as we, we wrap up, don't get too excited, it's a preacher wrap up. Uh, I want to talk about six things in regards to sharing our faith. And remember, it's our connecting, it's our serving that's opened the door. Okay? Number one, keep in mind, is you don't have to know everything. You know, one of my favorite witnessing stories is in John chapter 9. It's when Jesus heals the blind guy. Guy was blind from birth. Remember, he spits in mud. He, he makes some mud pies, puts it in the guy's eyes. Says, go wash it. I think the guy ran. Let me get this out of my eyes, man. You know, you know and, and his eyes open up and he can see. You know, his mom and dad are happy. He's happy. Religious people are never happy, right? And it's amazing the things that tick religious people off. And, and, and they bring him in and they interrogate him. You know, well, what's going on? They let him go. They bring him back in again. For a second time, they called in the man who had been blind and told him, God should get the glory for this because we know this man, Jesus, is a sinner. I love this. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Brother is a sinner, the man replied. But I do know this. I was blind. But now I can see. See, I'm convinced that many times we don't want to share our faith because we're afraid of the hard questions. When people say, what about the dinosaurs? Right? What about pain and suffering? Are you old, an old earth or a new earth person? What came first, the chicken or the egg? Right? And it just goes downhill from there. But, but, but I, I want to teach us three of probably the most powerful words in sharing our faith, what they are, and have you repeat those words with me because they're really easy to say, right? I don't know. Say it. I don't know. 
I don't know. I don't know. You know, this guy says, I, I don't know all about Jesus, what he did, where, how he healed my eyes. But I tell you what, I, I don't know that. But I tell you what I do know. From the time I was born, I never saw anything. And now I see everything. That's what I do know. And, and see, as you and I, as we share our, our faith with people, you know, we need to answer their questions as best as we can, right? And sometimes we can say, hey, you know what, let me look that up and I'll get back with you, right? But, but, but sometimes we've got to say, you know what, I, I don't know. I don't know that. But you know what, I, I don't know where Dino went, right? I don't know what happened. I, I, I don't know that. I, I don't know why these things happen. But let me tell you what I do know. I, I do know that I used to be an angry man. I, I do know uh, that I used to be addicted. I, I do know this, and I know where I am now. This is what I do know. And remember, we're called to be a witness, not a salesman, not an attorney, but a witness. And a witness just says, hey, here's what I know. Here's what I saw. Here's what happened to me. Here's what I experienced. Number two, you don't have to be perfect. Have you ever felt that you were disqualified for sharing your faith because you still have flaws? Get over it because you're always going to have flaws, right? You're always going to have them. You're messed up. You're still struggling. See, but the point is, you see, the point is, you know, we're not sharing our faith. We're not saying, let me tell you how great my faith is. No. We're sharing the faith. We're not preaching ourselves. We're preaching Christ. And he is flawless. Paul said, we do not preach ourselves, but Christ. We have this treasure in jars of clay to show that this all-surpassing power is from God and not from us. No, I'm not perfect, but I know someone who is, and he's making me a better man every single day. Amen? Number three, pray and ask the Holy Spirit about timing. Uh, question, does the Holy Spirit want people to come to Jesus? Yes. Is the Holy Spirit smarter than we are? Yes. Does the Holy Spirit know a lot about timing? Yes. In fact, the beginning of the book of Acts, he says, hey, Jesus said, hey, you all wait till the Holy Spirit comes, because you'll, you'll probably mess things up without him. And then Acts chapter 8, Holy Spirit talks to a guy named Philip and says, hey, Philip, I, I want you to go stand by that chariot, or you have to run a little bit. Yeah, go ahead, run. Yeah, you have to run by that chariot, you know, because that guy in the chariot, he's ready to hear about Jesus. And, and, and so you pray and ask God, is this a good time? And you're observant, Right? I mean, timing is everything. You know, the right word at the wrong time doesn't get the results you want, right? But, hey, God, is this a good time, you know, to talk to this person? And you just become very observant. Got to wait for the right time. But even with that, we must never lose sense, lose our sense of urgency. Remember, the people without Christ are lost, and they're headed to a terrifying forever. You know, they can sing some of the words we sang in Amazing Grace. They can sing when we've been there 10,000 years. They can sing that part. But they can't, they got to say, when we've been there 10,000 years, the pain's just going to keep on going. The suffering's just going to keep on going. The flames are going to keep on burning. The weeping of teeth is just going to keep on going. It's never going to end. That's sobering, isn't it? Listen, like the people in the water after the Titanic sunk, 
people in our world, that they are treading water in a dangerous sea, and we do not know how long they can hold on. We can't lose our sense of urgency. Paul says, now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Number five, we've got to keep in mind that it's, it's not always about scoring a touchdown, right? It's not always about scoring a touchdown. It's not always about our conversation being the one where someone decides to surrender their life to Jesus. Paul said it this way. I planted the seed, Apollos watered it, but Paul has been making it grow. And since NFL has been a theme today, right, we're talking about touchdowns, like it's like Paul's saying, Paul's saying, hey, you know what? I got them the midfield. And then Apollos came along and he got them to the red zone, right? But the Holy Spirit and God is the one that pushed them across the goal line, right? See, our job may just, we're just, may just be to advance the ball a little bit, right? We're just planting that seed. Someone else will come along. Someone else will come along. I think sometimes we, we think we have to score a touchdown in order to share our faith, and that's not the way it is. Get it? Good. Number six, you need to be prepared. Peter writes, always be prepared to give an answer to anyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope you have. I mean, they're watching, and you say, but you're just so different. You handle things differently. You handle stress differently. We don't find you in the break room slandering the other people at work. You just don't do that. And when you actually screw up, you admit it. When you do something wrong, you say you're sorry. When you face difficult times, you have joy. I don't get it. What's going on? He says, always be prepared. Because what if this person that God has asked us to reach out to, and we're hanging out together, and they ask us, tell me, tell me why you follow Jesus. What would we say? How would we respond? I mean, would it be good for us to be able to answer them right then and there? I, I think so. And so we need to be prepared you know, to share our story. And it doesn't need to be long, right? And, and you don't need to be a theologian. It's pretty much that before and after thing. Before Christ, I was this way. And after Christ, I was this way. You know? And your initial telling, keep it kind of short, right? You, know, you don't want to drag it on where you know, you've gone on for three hours and you say, and when I was 14 months old, I, I got this pink rattle and I was shaking. No, and they're like, you get to the point, right? You know, keep it kind of short, kind of like if you got in an elevator that had, ten, had seven floors, you got in and you pushed number seven, and here's your story, right? You know, hey, here's where I was before Jesus, and here, here's where I am now. You know, now they can ask questions of you, you can expand on it, but your initial thing, just keep it. Keep it short, but know your story because they just might ask you that. And, and then what, what after you tell them your story, they, they go, man, I need that. How can I become a Christian? Do you know what to say? Do you know what verses in the Bible that you might want to take them through? We're going we're gonna to kind of blitz through this in your notes. You read over, you make it yours. But here, here are some things to share with somebody. Four things people need to know. Number one, God loves them and has an awesome plan for their life. God loves them. The people far from Christ you're trying to get to know, they need to know that God loves them and has a plan for their life, and it's awesome. John 3, 16, God so loved the world. Jeremiah 29, 11, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope and a future. John 10, 10, God loves us, has plans for our lives. I've come that they may have life and have it to the full. Next, the people who, 
are far from God need to know that sin keeps people from experiencing God's love and God's plan. God loves them, has this awesome plan, but sin is just messing the whole thing up because sin separates. Isaiah wrote, your iniquities or your sins have made a separation between you and God. In Romans 6.23, Paul writes, the wages of sin is what? It's death. And what death is, death is separation. Physical death is separation of the spirit from the body. That's physical death. Spiritual death is the separation of our spirit from God's spirit. The wages of sin is death. And listen, when things are not right with God, things are messed up everywhere. Look at our world. Sin separates and keeps us from God's love and plan. And the bad news is everybody's in the same boat. Here he says, Isaiah says, all of us, like sheep, you know, and sheep are not just cute and cuddly, right? Like, like the football player, you know, sheep are, are stupid, right? Like the deer I hit on Saturday night. It's like, seriously, seriously, Bambi, you know? That was a good idea, right? To walk, to run across the road in front of a car going 40 miles an hour. Thought it was a good idea. It really wasn't. I can tell them that now. It wasn't a good idea, Bambi. You should have listened to Thumper a little bit more. Because he got thumped. <laughs> All of us, like sheep, have straight away... We left God's path to follow our own. All in the same boat. Romans 3.23, everyone has sinned and fallen short of God's glorious standard. Everybody is treading water in a stormy sea without a life jacket. The people, they need to know, right, that God loves them, has a plan for the light, that sin keeps them from experiencing that plan and God's love. And number three, the good news is that Jesus paid the penalty for their sin. God showed his great love for us by sending his son to die for us while we were still, what? Still sinners. That's nuts. We have been made right in God's sight by what? By the blood of Christ. Jesus, and though I said it a lot, don't let it get old. <laughs> Jesus paid a debt he did not owe because we owed a debt that we could never pay. On the cross, Jesus cried out, Tetelestai, a Greek word that means paid in full. When we come to Christ, we don't sign up for some installment plan, right? He paid our debt in full. Number four, they need to know, right? They, know, they need to know that God loves them, has a plan for the life, that sin messes up that plan, it separates them from God, that Jesus paid the penalty, and they need to know that salvation is available to them. For it's by grace you've been saved through faith. And this is not from yourselves, it's the gift of God. You see, see, God made a deal with himself on the cross. He said, man, the debt has to be paid, and here's the deal. You know, I'm going to accept Jesus' sacrifice on the cross as payment for everybody's sin. It's called grace. We access that grace through faith. And what is faith? Well, number one, biblical faith, saving faith, believes it believes that Jesus is who he said he is, did what he said he did, died for our sins, and rose from the dead. Jesus said this, whoever believes and is baptized will be what? Will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. Next, biblical saving faith, it, it believes, and that belief moves them to repent. 
It moves them to say, you know what, I, I've been living my own way, doing my own thing, being my own boss, living by my own agenda, having it my way, and it has not worked out so well. I repent of living for myself. I repent for being the Lord of my life. Peter replied, on the day of Pentecost, the thousands of people gathered, repent to be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Next, biblical saving faith, it confesses that Jesus is our Lord and Jesus is our Savior. If you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, he's in charge, he's the boss, and believe in your heart that God raised from the dead, you will be saved. And finally, saving faith is baptized, is immersed into the name of Jesus. Paul said, I mean, Ananias said to a guy named Paul in Acts twenty-two sixteen. The guy, Paul, met Jesus three days earlier, was convinced of who Jesus is, and, and he says to Paul, and now what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, and wash your sins away, calling on his name. Peter wrote these words in 1 Peter 3.21. He says this water, waters of the flood, symbolizes baptism that now saves you also. Not the removal of dirt from the body. It's no magic in the water. Magic's in our faith. But the pledge of a clear conscience towards God, it saves you by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. Again, Mark 16, 16, whoever believes and is baptized will be saved. Whoever does not believe will be condemned. In Acts 2, 38, Peter replied, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ. Why? <laughs> what do we get? The forgiveness of sins and you'll receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Now talk about a deal. We sinned. We've blown it. We've gone astray. We incurred a debt that we could never repay, and then Jesus pays the debt for all of us. It's all by grace, unearned, undeserved, through faith. And when we, in, <clears throat> in faith and repentance, confessing Jesus as Lord are baptized into his name, according to Peter, we receive the forgiveness of our sins, amen, and the gift of the Holy Spirit. We've got to be prepared. Know your story and know God's story. Know what you're going to tell them. Walk them through the scriptures. Two things as we wrap up, the real wrap up. Number one, as a church, don't forget the bread. By the way, this is my favorite bread right here. Nature's own honey wheat, like rocks. I love this bread, man. This is good bread right here. Don't forget the bread. We, we got to be so careful, right? You know, you know, filling our basket with good things, Bible studies, raking leaves, going to men's events, going to ladies' events, singing songs, and all that, that we don't forget the bread, that we don't forget the bread of life that we don't forget that this is what people ultimately need. Uh, they need the bread of life so that they'll never hunger again. We can't forget the bread as a church. And second, <clears throat> have you opened the bread? Right? You know, if I wanted to make a sandwich with this bread, one of the first things I need to do is what? <clears throat> open it up, right? Open it up. <coughs> Excuse me, open up and get the bread out. 
I mean, this bread's available for that sandwich, right? It's available, man. It's ready to go. But I got to open it up. You know, and I'm just here to ask, is there anyone in this room that hasn't opened it up? Salvation is available through faith, right? Through believing who Jesus is, repenting of living for yourself, confessing him as Lord, and and being buried with him in in the waters of baptism. And, And just here, you know, if you're here today and you believe in who Jesus is and what he did, that he died for you, you, you repent of living the way you've been living, living for yourself, you're willing to confess him as Lord, you know, and you have not yet been buried with him in baptism, I say to you what Ananias said to Paul, what in the world are you waiting for? <laughs> like, seriously, seriously, what are you waiting for? Get up, be baptized, wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Amen. Guys, we got a great message, the gospel. We're going we're gonna to sing. We're going to sing right now. And if you're here today, and again, you have the decision to make, you want to talk to me afterwards, you know, you know. But again, if you're not right with God and you want to be, man, don't leave this building without us having a conversation, right? You know, because he, he wants to save you. He wants to claim you. He wants to rescue you. And maybe you're here today and you've been living for yourself. You just need to repent, you know. Uh, maybe you've been off mission in your life. You just need to get back on mission. You know, and if you're here and you've, you've taken our Discover the Grove class and, or a recent Belong class, if you're not yet, you know, come forward and say, hey, you know what, I want to be a part of this body here. You can come up and just kind of go to this side while we're singing. And we're, just, we're not going to make you sing a song or anything. We're just going to uh, take your credit card. No. <laughs> and make an offering in your honor today. You know, no. You know, but just have people recognize and see you. Just say, look, you know what? We're not alone here as we try to do our thing for God. I'm going to pray. Would you please stand? God, we love you. And God, thank you that, uh, Lord, no matter how messed up we are, and we are, (laughs) that we can come to you the first time, the second time, and every time just as we are. God, we love you. I pray your spirit moves as we sing. Amen.